This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv. An unmatched dual threat. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels. We're talking high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and of course, the NFL draft. And as always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners and big supporters of the show, Blue Wire Pods, DoorDash, and Bet Online. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 pod that's on facebook twitter instagram uh with the college football season just right around the corner it's a fantastic way for you to stay up to date with all of our new episodes and content released throughout the week uh we're gonna get right into it we've got a busy show and we've got some big time news hot off the press jamie newman the favorite to be the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs here in this COVID-ridden 2020 season has decided to opt out. Kenny and Pastel, instant thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's a big blow for Georgia. I know JT Daniels isn't medically cleared yet. I know the expectation is I guess he'll quote-unquote be cleared before their first game, but he's not taking practice reps. He hasn't taken live reps. Sure, he's taken some mental reps of the offense, but it's no guarantees. It sounds like Stetson Barrett might be the guy in Georgia. I don't know if that really gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling as a Georgia fan, but Jamie Newman opting out is a big, big loss. And honestly, it's a it's a feather in the cap for programs like Florida and LSU because now I think that's one less program they have to worry about. So for me, it makes sense that he opted out because I think – his ceiling was about where it was. Like the hype coming in from West uh, Wake Forest, I think what we were going to see from him at max was probably a 15 to 20 first round quarterback. But if he had a bad year this year, we're talking about a guy that could have fell to the fifth or sixth round. So while your your stock is at an all time high, it probably made sense for a guy like this to opt out. Um, now I will say Stephen Bennett is one of those guys that came in Georgia. He transferred to a JUCO college, uh, I believe in Mississippi. Led him to a 10-2 record. He's shown a lot of development. He's a sen- he's a seasoned quarterback. He's coming in as a junior. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that he can hold the reins for a game or two while JT Daniels gets acclimated to that offense, gets some reps in- underneath them, to where Georgia, they might not lose a beat because you have someone experienced like Stetson Bennett coming uh, into that role. Because we all know JT Daniels is going to be a good quarterback. How good? We don't know, but I think he's going to be a- an upper-tier quarterback for Georgia. So, Seth Bennett, you just got to kind of like hold hold it down for a few games while we get there. The problem with it is they play Auburn week two, I believe. That is going to be a big-time game. Yeah. I, I think it's certainly threw us all through a loop. Um, you know, we, we were texting back and forth off, um, you know, offline here, and it just, just kind of came out of nowhere. I, I didn't think that it was going to happen. But 
Uh, it kind of is what it is, and it's certainly the big news, especially as we start to get into the college football season. Uh, some other big news this week, guys, you want to cover before we get into the show, just kind of get your thoughts. Um, you know, uh, Central Florida had 10 players opt out. Uh, LSU had Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin. Uh, Tyler Shelvin could be the first defensive tackle taken. Um, he also opts out. So, and, and Ed Ogeron came out today and said that there are a couple more guys that are considering opting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, for a program like Central Florida, you know, losing 10 guys is very, very difficult because you're already a G5 program. And I know they're one of the top G5 programs, but anytime you lose last year's starters and then you lose an additional 10 players to start this year as a G5 program, that's very, very tough to overcome. They just don't have the depth that a lot of P5 programs have, or at least a lot of medium to bigger size P5 programs have. This would be the equivalent of, like, you know, programs like Duke or Wake, uh, you know, Baylor, stuff like that, losing a lot of players right off the bat. Um, So it's tough. LSU – yeah, it's difficult. I, I, Jamar Chase is going to leave a huge hole in the receiver uh, room, and they lost a lot of guys in the NFL draft. But for me, programs like LSU just reload instead of rebuild. Yeah. I know, I know that's you know it's still tough to replace a lot of production, but I'm less concerned about LSU than I am Central Florida. I think just from overall standpoint, yeah. Teams that win or go deep into the playoffs or the playoffs in college football, it all goes around depth. Central Florida. They're loose-end players. They, they don't always have the depth to make up for that. LSU, while they recruit well, I still think this is a big blow because of how much they did lose in the draft. Now you're losing your best two players probably on your team outside of Stingley um, this year. While I think they still can make up for it, I don't see them competing for an SEC championship, I would say, just because of how much they have lost over the last you know six months with NFL draft and then COVID. Yeah, also consider they also lost Joe Brady in the offseason going to the Carolina Panthers and teaming up with Matt Rule there. So LSU certainly has an uphill battle, and more players opting out certainly doesn't help Ed Ogeron. Uh, I mean, he's really going to have to have, have to coach his tail off to get this team back to competing, to being in a spot uh, in the college football, college just to get into the college football playoff. So that'll be a development that I'm sure that we'll be talking about all season. Guys, last piece of news I want to cover before we get into the show. Uh, I don't think any of this was a surprise. I think how it happened was a a surprise. Uh, But uh, Lincoln Riley came out this week, said Spencer Rattler is is QB1 for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, You know, not really a surprise to me. But it was a little bit of a surprise how it happened. He really didn't have any competition. The other guy apparently had been hurt and had missed 75% of practices. So, really, I'm not even sure why Lincoln Riley had to come out and say this, to be honest with you. I I think it's just one of those things, like Bronco Mendenhall EVA does this, where, you know, he doesn't release a depth chart. He doesn't give them jersey numbers or helmet stickers or anything like that during, you know, spring practices and even early on in fall practices because it's kind of that, hey, everybody's got to earn it type thing. So I think it's just one of those things. I think it's just a motivational tool that the coach uses to kind of rally the troops, um, which I get it. I mean, it's cool. I You know, I don't think it's necessarily – that effective, but you know, it, it, it creates a sense of team camaraderie. So yeah. well, I, no surprise here. Spencer Rattler's the heir apparent. He's the it, next guy. It's also out of respect for Tanner Mordecai, right? A, a once highly touted recruit in himself. I don't think you just wanted to give him, give it to a freshman, right? Like you got to at least show some respect, say, Hey, this was a competition. And based off of what yeah, these point. two players were out of respect, we are now going to name, you know, Spencer Rattler, the QB. Because, I mean, the same thing, same, same as that thing's going to happen when Caleb Williams gets there. And whoever wins that, like, you just want to show, like, there's always a battle for the QB spot. You're not just handing it off to the, the highly talented recruit. Was, yeah, Mordecai, kind of, was Mordecai the guy who was hurt? Yeah. Okay. He was the one who was hurt. I mean, he, he just wasn't getting a lot of snaps because he was banged up for whatever reason. I didn't read into the injuries, but I know that that's kind of what Lincoln Riley said. He was like, well, I mean – you know, Spencer Rattler is our guy. We're going to go forward, you know, but out of respect for more, you know, uh, Taylor Mordecai, like, you know, he, he really didn't get that many snaps because he's yeah. kind of been banged up. The so. bigger news will be if he transfers now, knowing the two guys that are coming behind him, Caleb Williams and uh, Rattler, like, why would he stay at Oklahoma, in my opinion? But yeah. interesting, interesting to do. Well, I think, I think the thing with the, the problem with that is going to be he's limited where he can go right now. 
Uh, if you're trying to, if you lose a camp battle right now, it's like the worst time ever to lose one. Well, yeah. he would be talking I, about next year. Yeah, I think it's next year. He won't. He won't um, roll out this year because he's still the backup. Anything can happen. A, a rolled up ankle, a tweaked knee, and he's yep. back in there. And you know, for a team that's will more than likely win the Big Twelve. So, yep. all right, guys, well, let, well, let's kind of get into our show. But I, I we had a lot of great news. So I want to make sure that we kind of covered that before. Uh, we get into our show. So those who listen to the show regularly or if you're listening for the first time, this is actually a new format that we're going to run, and this is going to be the format we're going to run every single week of the college football season. As you guys know, we've covered a lot of prospects. We've done mock drafts. We've covered conferences at length. We've covered prospects at length for each conference. Now we're in the season, guys. I mean, the yes. season start technically it started last week, but week one is – Basically this week, right? And this is where we're going to get some games. We're going to be able to look at at some players. And and college football is back. It is back. So excited for that. So every week, you know, we'll we'll start off with uh, what we call the opening coin flip. So it'll be, you know, based on some news for the uh, on college football or with a prospect. Uh, and and we'll we'll battle it out. We'll, we'll start out kind of guns blazing here, which should be fun for our listeners. Uh, then we're going to get into the games of the week and the prospects that we're interested to watch. And I think anybody who's interested in college recruiting, the NFL draft, uh, you're going to love this segment because these are guys that you're going to see drafted and on ESPN, on uh, the NFL net, Network for three days in the NFL draft in April. So I'm really excited uh, to give you guys that segment. Uh, we'll cover some betting lines, uh, you know, with, with some highlighted games that we have. Go over some recruiting news, do some rapid-fire uh, questions at the end, and uh, that'll be it. So we, we've got a great show tonight, especially leading into week one. Guys, let's not hold anything back. Let's go with the opening coin flip. The Big Ten has come out, and there's been rumor. I'm sorry, the Big Ten hasn't come out, but there's been rumors that the Big Ten – is debating on whether they should possibly start fall sports again. And right now the rumor is mid-October is what they'd be looking at. So my question for you, and Pasto will start off with you, is it a good decision on the Big Ten's part or a bad decision if they choose to play? I think it's a good decision, and that's not an easy thing for me to say. I think the obvious thing is it just looks bad on Kevin Warren, Warner if he goes back in what he says. But let's look at the positives here. One, let's take it from a football standpoint. This is probably the Big Ten's best chance to win a national championship in the last few years. Like, let's just call it what it is. Ohio State, in a lot of polls, is either number one or number two in college football with, with you know, Justin Fields and everybody else coming back on that team. Even Penn State is notoriously known to be a top at least five or six team right now in college football. So you have two teams in the top six. From a purely athletic standpoint, if you were trying to put the Big Ten on a national championship stage, this might be your best year over the last, you know, few years. The second thing is, of course, the Kevin Warren, the presidents of the Big Ten. Look, here's my thing: is he's a brand new commissioner. Like, give this guy a mulligan. We're in a time where there's no playbook for COVID, so you can't really judge guys for making a bad decision or saying you should have known this man or you should have made a decision. Like, everyone's making mistakes along the way. We're just trying to figure this out together. So if if he did bring it back. I'd be like, hey, man, I get it. Like, health things have changed. We've improved in technology. We have same-day testing now. There's a lot, a lot of ways to make this game healthier or safer, so I can understand that. And then the third thing I think is good for a leader in general is to not be stubborn. Be humble in your decisions. Understand when you're wrong, and then correct that mistake. Assuming this is a mistake and assuming they can make the, the game safe and so forth, like, don't don't dig in and say, like, hey, like, I'm playing spring football because that's what I said earlier this year. No matter what you guys say, no matter what data you prove me, I say be humble, don't be stubborn, understand what the medical experts are saying. Uh, and if you think it's safe enough to play, I think it would be a good decision for the Big Ten to play for all those reasons I, li- I listed. Yeah, see, I, I, I disagree a little bit there. I think um, for me, I mean, it's a good thing as a college football fan because arguably Ohio State's the best team in the nation. I think if if – if you were to poll pretty much everybody now, I think they would say Ohio State is the favorite. Um, so it's good for college football. But I think it's bad because it really pulls the rug out from Kevin Warren, who's in the infancy of his tenure. You know, it inevitably is going to cause a rift between the presidents and the, and, the, and the conference because I don't think it's going to be a unanimous decision to return because it wasn't a unanimous decision to, to cut it. I think it was an 11-3 to 3 vote from what I saw. 
in the three programs that didn't that didn't uh, vote to continue. I think were Nebraska, Ohio State, and I'm trying to remember the other program. Iowa. It was Iowa and Iowa. So now I think they need nine to continue, which I hear they're right on the edge of nine. But it sounds like their most recent news. It sounds like that they're going to play. On October 10th is when they're going to start, and Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois, and Maryland will not participate. So they're only going to have 10 of the 14. So it'll be the Big Ten again. won't be the Big 14 um, <laughs> that aren't going to play. But I think it's bad. I think I think I don't think this is being overturned because of new science and new data. That's not what's being talked about. What's being talked about, and the reason the Pac-12 doesn't get a whole lot of, a lot of crap about this, is because the Pac-12 was super transparent about the voting. They were super transparent about the medical info they got, and they were super transparent about everything they did to shut down sports. Right or wrong, they were transparent about it. And that's all this is. It's a PR optics move. The Big Ten, whoever their PR firm is, one, should be fired. They've done a horrible job. Two, if they'd have just been transparent from the beginning, I don't think we'd even be having this discussion because I think they'd still be shut down. But they haven't been transparent. They've dug in it, like you said, and fought their way uh, about trying to give up any sort of info to the point where they actually had to get they actually had a lawsuit pending, and they, and the Freedom of Information Act was used to get internal documents about shutting down. That's the only reason this is opening back up, or that's even being discussed, is it's PR versus data. If they have data that is similar or identical to the Pac-12 that suggests they shouldn't play, then listen to the doctors and the data versus public pressure, in my opinion. I think it's a bad look for Kevin Warren, and now it sets precedent in the future that when he makes a decision, they can now circumvent it with enough public pressure. And I'm not saying I agree or disagree with the decision ultimately to open up, but you made your decision, and, and you made it based on science and data. And, 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 and from what everything I hear, that hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is public pressure, which to me is not a good precedent to set. Well, the only thing that's changed is acceptable risk. Like the, the media, the people's the appetite to play in the pandemic is the only thing that's changed. I mean, it's not necessarily the science. Because, I mean, first of all, the science, it goes back every single day what's, like, what this thing is actually is. The South is saying it's okay to play in this. The West is saying it's not okay to play in this. The bottom line is, is the big. Well, that's that's a whole that's a whole different conversation for another that, day. On why, yeah, why certain states are open and why certain states aren't. That's not a that's not a public pressure thing. That's a political thing. But, but Ken, what you're saying is because of the public pressure, Kevin Warren shouldn't you know bow down to it, and he should just dig in at this point, assuming the data has not changed. Correct. But that's as far as I know, it hasn't. From what they originally for their original votes that canceled the season was based on science and data they had from their medical experts. And so from everything that's being reported, that hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is Nebraska suing the Big Ten, or Nebraska parents are, and you have a bunch of public pressure. So my one, The reason the Pac-12 doesn't have this pushback is because they were super transparent. So my one question is, what if the public pressure at the time is the reason why they fold it in the first place? I don't think it was because there was no public pressure. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of pressure at that point saying all college football should be shut down. I mean, we saw the steamroll running at that point, or the train running at that point, saying, like, everybody should shut down. The state should shut down again. All I'm saying, there was a lot of public pressure to shut down at that point. And then, you know, the Pac-12 did it, the Big Ten did it. And then but now that's, but that, but I, I'd agree with you. If, that was, if they hadn't come out and said that they had data and all that stuff that they eventually did release on why they shut down, I'm with you. If they had just shut down because they were scared, fine. I, I'm with you, but that's not why they did. They took, they took a uniformed approach. They got the best science and data from their medical experts, which said, hey, we do not believe it is safe to play. Now, this I, I will say the one thing, though, man, is everybody said they made that decision way too early. Everybody said, like, why are we making this decision now? And it's, you know, kind of bit them in the ass a little bit because now we're saying, like, shit, like, okay, now we can play. When if they didn't make that decision at the time, then we never would be having this conversation. Yeah. And, and we'd be playing football. I think it's two interesting points to know here. One, Kenny's 100% right in the fact that the Big Ten has been a complete black box. They, As far as being able to be transparent in the court of public opinion, had they just come out with everything that they, that they believed was the reason they made this decision, I think that there wouldn't be as much backlash. Now, 
one of the things there's been also been a lot of rumors about Kevin Warren is that he quote unquote bullied a lot of school presidents into making this decision. Uh, so I think that point is also interesting. So is Kevin Warren going to dig in or is he going to say, Hey, uh, maybe, you know, whether it's PR or maybe that he's seeing how well sports like professional sports is doing. Like if you look at the NFL, like, I, I don't know how many, what have they done? Like 10 to 15,000 tests and like 10 people have come back with it. Like, and no players, like it's something like that. It's such a small percentage of people that maybe it's like, oh, well, maybe we can. So I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens there because as soon as he made that decision, there were schools such as Ohio State, Penn State, that were trying to go in the back door here and trying to organize some sort of season. The second point I will say, I don't believe there has been any player from a Big Ten school that has quote-unquote opted out or just declared for the draft. So, for example, if I'm Justin Fields and the season, quote-unquote, gets canceled for me, I didn't just say, oh, well, you know what, I'm just going to declare for the draft. I'm going to get ready. Like, that hasn't, that hasn't happened. So that leads me to believe that there's been a lot of communication with players saying that there's probably going to be some sort – something that resembles a league and, 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 and some sort of games that they're still working on. You're saying you're saying outside of Micah Parsons, Rashad Bateman, and Rondell Moore, correct? I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. Outside of those three guys, correct? Okay. That that all happened like two or three weeks. That's what I, I, that's what I, yeah. that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got my yeah. Okay. I, I you guys are right on that. I'm schooled on that. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> that's my um, bad. I'm, I didn't I didn't I didn't think about those guys. I was thinking I was I, well. No, I was thinking about like guys from Ohio State. That's basically yeah. kind of gave me my barometer there. So, anyways, I I just think that those are two interesting things to note there. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Now, ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Now, you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Also, many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code Blue Wire. Don't forget the promo code Blue Wire for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. But let's let's move on, guys. Let's start start talking about week one, college football. It starts this week. I'm super pumped about it. Let's talk about prospects that we are very excited to watch in week one that we think could play in the NFL next season. Kenny, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I, I'm really excited for a couple guys, and I'll, I'll run through the list real quick and then give you a little bit about them. So the three prospects I'm excited are for this week coming up are tight end Kyle Granson from SMU, and they play Saturday uh, versus Texas State. Jack Abraham, quarterback at Southern Miss, uh, plays South Alabama Thursday night, tomorrow night. Um, sorry, excuse me, uh, tonight. And then Jordan Smith, UAB edge rusher, who plays tonight uh, versus University of Central uh, Arkansas. Let me start with Kyle Granson, a super dynamic athlete for a tight end. He's, you know, he's, he caught 43 passes for 721 yards and nine touchdowns last year. And, you know, he's a super interesting prospect because he's not your traditional 
tight end. Like he's not six six, two hundred and fifty pounds, and an inline guy. He's a guy very reminiscent and. I hate to bring this name up, but he, he the way he plays reminds me a lot of him. He reminds me a lot of Aaron Hernandez on the field. He's 6'3", 235 pounds, super athletic. He's not going to do anything in terms of blocking. Uh, he's not a, an elite blocker, but he's a guy who's absolutely going to just be a complete mismatch out on the field because he's too fast and too big for most linebackers to cover. He's too big for most safeties to cover. And, you know, he's an elite athlete. He's a guy you can line up anywhere on the field, and you can line him up in line. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up on the outside because, you know, he was a receiver at Rice before switching to tight end when he transferred to SMU. So he's got a lot of experience at both sides. So I I really am excited to see him kind of take the next step this year because he was really the third option in that offense last year with graduation in the NFL draft. He should be either the number one option for Shane Bouchelle or at worst the number two. So that's exciting. Uh, Jack Abraham is another player, like I said, quarterback out of Southern Miss who I really want to see because he has – he doesn't have elite size. He's only six foot, two hundred and five pounds, but he has a rocket for an arm. Like arm talent is not an issue with this guy. And to be honest, he's kind of got some weird numbers. When you look at the data, you're like, wow, it looks like he must take a lot of risks because you had 15 interceptions last year. He had 10 interceptions the year before. He, you know, he turns the ball over a lot. You know, it, does he rely on his arm strength too much? And he might. But he's not really reckless with the football. He averages seven point, or sorry, eight point uh, two yards an attempt for his career, and has a seventy percent career completion percentage. So it's not like he's just throwing the ball all over the yard, you know, barely completing anything, and just trying to rely on his arm strength. I think where he gets into trouble is is those select situations where he's got to fit it into a tight window and 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 just relies just a little bit on his arm strength. You know, might throw in a double coverage every now and then. And, and it's weird. I don't know if it's bad luck. You know, when I look at the film, he makes a lot of good plays. He just seems to run into these streaks where he gets turnover prone. So if he can, if he can show that he makes better decisions – and reins in his arm a little bit and develops just a little bit more touch, I do think this is a guy we could see going in the fourth, fifth, sixth round of next year's draft. Right now I would have him as a fringe seventh rounder, but he definitely has the arm talent to play at the next level. That's 100% certain. And the third guy I'm really excited about is Jordan Smith. Uh, he's an edge rusher at UAB. Love and Jordan I think this Smith. guy – yeah, yeah, Jordan Smith. I think this guy could be – you know, a really day two, a really you know, mid to low day two pick, maybe even a high day three, uh, depending on what he does this season. But he's 6'7", 255 pounds. He's got the size. He reminds me a lot of Calais Campbell, to be honest. But he doesn't have enough film for me to anoint him yet as the next big thing. But last year, his first season at UAB, he had 14 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, he, he consistently was a disruptor in the backfield. He had a ton of quarterback pressures. And he really was the linchpin on what was a top five defense in the country last year. And I expect him to only get better this season because a lot of that defense returns. So it's not like he's going to come back and see a ton of double teams or anything like that this season. He should have ample opportunities for one-on-one, you know, I guess one-on-one opportunities this year. So I think he's really going to improve on those numbers. And I think he's only going to get better and really grow into that frame. You know, he puts on another 10, 15 pounds and he's 6'7", 275 coming out of the draft next year. And if he maintains his athleticism and and, and adds strength, he's definitely going to be a guy I think can go into the second round for sure. I mean, there's always – going to be defensive coordinators who see a guy that size with that kind of production and that kind of athleticism and go, yeah, yeah okay, I can teach him how to play professional football. Yeah, we actually covered Jordan Smith significantly on our edge rusher, our, ed, our prospects to watch edge rusher show. If you haven't listened to that, uh, go back and listen to it. But we, we cover Jordan Smith for a significant amount. Uh, he's one of the best G5 
defensive players out there. And, and I agree with you, Kenny. I think he can be uh, a guy that could creep up on day two if he has an outstanding uh, outstanding season here uh, and really get some really great uh, plays on film. Paso, how about you? Who, who are you excited to watch this week as far as that are, that are NFL prospects? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, three guys, Brady White, quarterback Memphis. Another guy, Jonathan Adams Jr., the wide receiver from Arkansas State. And then we have uh, D'Angelo Malone uh, from Western Kentucky. All three guys I think will be NFL caliber players. Brady White, 6'3", 210. Remember, this guy uh, passed 4,000 yards last year in the Conference USA. Or sorry, not Conference USA, AAC with 33 TDs and 11 interceptions. This is one of those guys that he has great anticipation with his throws. He gets in a rhythm with his throws, as in, like, he'll f- complete five, six, seven passes in a row before his incompletion. Um, the problem with him is he doesn't have a lot of arm strength. So I think this is going to be a big-time year for him to see if he, can, if he can develop arm strength, put a little more velocity on his throws. This guy reminds me a lot of Mason Rudolph uh, coming out of college. The second player, Jonathan Adams, Jr. So, by the way, Memphis plays Arkansas State. So these are both prospects to watch in that game. But he's the wide receiver from Arkansas State. This guy's a big-time receiver, 6'3", 220, makes one-handed catches left and right, uh, big-time playmaker. I, I foresee him running a high 4-5, uh, 40 at the NFL combine, maybe low 4-6, uh, 40. He reminds me a lot of Des Bryant. I mean, this guy's a big-time athlete. I, I foresee him having over 75 receptions and over 1,200 yards receiving uh, this upcoming year. I think this guy has probably got, you know, fourth-round ability with a little bit of potential to get to that third round if he has a great year. I mean, the guy has phenomenal body size. So mm-hmm. D'Angelo Malone, outside linebacker, edge rusher, depending on what uh, defensive uh, set you are in. Remember, this guy was the 2019 Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. Talk about size. He is six foot four, 235 pounds. Last year, had 11 and a half sacks, 100 tackles, and 55 of those were solo tackles. This guy is a, a pure pass rusher, not just a pure tackler in general. I mean, the biggest thing with him is he is just he's a natural edge rusher, right? The thing with him is can he add some strength to his game? He, he at least needs to add 10 more pounds, and that will help him because kind of his weakness right now is the run game. He can't shed blocks as well as you would like him to. So he needs to add that strength, uh, use his hands a little bit better against, you know, the offensive linemen. The thing with him is this first step is so quick that he doesn't have to deal with it as much. But this guy, I believe, has day two potential. He just has to kind of produce the same exact kind of performance he had last year and then hopefully add on, on five or ten pounds and watch it. D'Angelo Malone will be a day two pick next year. Mm, interesting. Uh, that should, that, that, that'll be a great one to certainly watch. looks like we have two, uh, pass rushers that we, we like to see this week that we think could get up board. So I think that's going to be interesting. The Brady, the Brady white one's going to be also one that I'm curious and that I'll tune in and watch because I wonder if he was a product of just having such great athletes all around him, or is he a guy that's really a true difference maker? And he's going to get to prove that this year. So I think we're going to be able to see the true Brady White really in week one. Um, so that, that'll that be a fun game to watch when we watch Memphis play this weekend. Uh, three guys for me, uh, Spencer Brown, running back out of UAB. This guy had a fantastic freshman and sophomore year. Uh, I believe that he's he's climbing up the record books down there at UAB. Had an injury-ridden uh, 2019, but really he's a big physical back. I'm anxious to see what Spencer Brown we get this year. I think with a really outstanding 2020 season, he could definitely get drafted more than likely, probably a day three pick, but he's definitely an an NFL running back uh, through and through. He's got the body size. He's got the vision. um, Probably a little bit slower than you would like. That's why I think he's probably a day three pick. But I want to see what Spencer Brown we get. And if it's a Spencer Brown from his freshman, sophomore year, uh, I think we're in for one heck of a season from UAB. Uh, Shane Bichelle, quarterback out of SMU, another quarterback that I'm really anxious to watch to see, you know, how is he able to kind of take the next step at SMU and can he continue off of what he's done the last couple years there? Again, you guys remember that he played at Texas mm-hmm. and then transferred to SMU. Uh, certainly he's got NFL size, NFL arm strength. So yeah. I'm curious to see how he plays, especially in week one, and, and to see 
uh, really what steps he's taken in the offseason to be a quarterback that will be drafted on day two or day three. And then third, going to be T.J. Carter, defensive back out of Memphis. A lot of people could argue that he's the ACC's, the AAC's best defensive back. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what he can do for mm-hmm. Memphis. So that is a guy that I will be watching when I tune into that Memphis game. To you know, I it, tell you what, I'd love to see a couple picks, guys. Love to see a couple picks to make me look good. <laughs> but uh, certainly a guy that I'm excited to watch there. So um, you know, we'll see what happens there, man. What do you guys think of Shane Bichelle? I like him, man. I this is a guy I've been pretty high on. You know, after coming into really coming into last year, I was really high on him. Um, you know, he's a guy who would probably be starting at Texas if it wasn't for Sam Ellinger. Like that's who he lost out to, and it was a neck and neck battle. Like Ellinger didn't blow him out of the water. It was very very tight, and so he transferred to SMU. He's in a great system with Sonny Dykes. I think. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's ever going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a guy who's probably a third, fourth round guy. You know who he reminds me a lot of? He reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins. You know, mm-hmm. he, he makes he makes a lot of good throws. He's got a decently strong arm. He's got great anticipation. Everything he does is solid. He just doesn't do anything spectacularly. But I, I he that's who he reminds me of. When I see him play, he he reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins. Tell you what, shit. Shane Bichelle hopes he has the <laughs> the bank account that Kirk Cousin has. I can tell you that. Like that? Do you like that? <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk some gambling. Let's talk betting lines this week. Uh, I, I'm actually really excited that we include in this because I think this is a fun segment. So week one, we've got uh, – we'll go through six matchups right here. Uh, so let's start. Kenny, start with you. South Alabama, Southern Miss, Southern Miss, uh, 14 and a half, uh, 14 and a half favorites. Yeah, so I, this is a big spread, a lot for week one, but I think Southern Miss will handle South Alabama pretty well. You know, like I touched on earlier, they have a really good quarterback in Jack Abraham. Um, I, they have a decent amount of returning starters. They had four players opt out. I saw that, but I, I do think they'll cover. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Pastel? I, I'm kind of saying both, Kenny. I think uh, Southern Miss will cover. I would take the under. I would take the under on most of all of these games, by the way. I think you just – You always take – I don't even want to go into this. You yeah, but if, if there was ever a year or a week to do it, it's going to be such sloppy football week. Yeah, but it's such, a, it's such a boring play. Yeah, well <laughs> – Life is I'll, short. Take the over. I'll make the He money. likes to make cash, Kenny. I, I like he money. to make yeah. cash. But I like I to, I like cool. Jack Abraham is a good quarterback. They've had five straight winning seasons. South Alabama doesn't have the pedigree Southern Miss has at this point, so I'll say Southern Miss. Uh, I'm going to take Southern Miss to cover here as well. Um, just think they're just they just have a lot better players. Um, you talk about the offense deficiency. I, I think the Southern Southern Miss offense will be able to run up a bunch of points, and I think they'll cover this. But guys. It was a botch on my part because this is College Football Betting Lines brought to you by our sponsors, Bet Online. Forgot to include that one. Man, that's, I'm 0 for 2 tonight, guys. Man, all right. New, new template, new show, getting used to it. So next game, uh, Middle Tennessee State versus Army. Uh, got Army as three-and-a-half-point fa- uh, three favorites. Okay, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll take Army. I think, I think Asher O'Hara, who's a great quarterback in Middle Tennessee State, I don't think he's going to find a rhythm because you got to think Middle Tennessee – they are a very high op tempo offense. That's not going to work well when you're going against the triple option offense. I think they control the game. They keep them out of that rhythm. I've got Army uh, taking that spread. Generally, I agree with you. I, I'm always hesitant to bet on teams who play triple option teams when they only have a week to prepare. You know, I think Middle Tennessee State's been preparing for this game for a, a decent amount of time now. I think they'll come in. Rick Stockstill is one of the most underrated coaches out there. I think he'll devise a game plan. I think Astro O'Hara will run it to perfection. I think Middle Tennessee's defense will get just enough stops to pull away because they only got to win by three and a half. It's not like they have to win by a ton. So I think Middle Tennessee State, it, uh, you know, covers – uh, sorry, yeah, cover. Sorry, geez, I'm sitting there saying they have to uh, cover or win by three and a half. They have to cover three and a half. They got to cover three and a half. I think they'll definitely cover because I think they'll definitely win the game personally. Um, uh, so I take Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, I'm gonna go Army here. I think the triple option in week one with limited time to prepare. I like my my chances with Army. I think Army covers the three and a half. I think Army wins. I don't know, probably by two scores here. I think that 
that that'll just throw Middle Tennessee State off, especially with the limited practice practice time. Uh, third game we're going to cover: SMU is twenty-one and a half point favorites versus Texas State. I got SMU big. I think they'll cover the twenty-one and a half. I think they're just they're one of the best G five teams in the country, and Texas State is not even close to that. I, Obviously, though, I'm sure there'll be some weak run one rust, but I think SMU and those Texas athletes, those higher level Texas athletes, will run all over Texas State. Yep, SMU all day. I think one other athlete we forgot to mention is Reggie Roberson. I think he's probably a day two, maybe early day three pick wide receiver for SMU. This guy is going to have a big time, big time uh, year for SMU. So SMU, I got them big over Texas Tech as well. Uh, yeah, Texas State. But yes, I I, I got it. There you go. There's so many Texas schools, so many Texas schools. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, SMU big here as well. I think they cover that 21 and a half. Um, I, I think it's you're gonna see the high flying offense really score a ton of points. I don't think Texas State's gonna have a lot to lot to say about it. So I think they're gonna cover that 21 and a half point spread. Uh, game number four got Arkansas State, the old Red Wolves versus the returning AAC champion, Memphis Tigers, and Memphis comes in at 18.5-point favorites. This is probably one of the toughest games for me. It really was. Like, I wanted to take Memphis. I, I believe in Brady White. I believe in Demonte Coxie. I believe in so many athletes over there on Memphis' side, and they've done it year in, year out for AAC. But Arkansas State, man, they've got nine players returning on offense, led by two quarterbacks, Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher, who – Logan Bonner has a sixth longest streak without an interception FBS, and he's probably not even going to start over Lane Hatcher, who was like the freshman newcomer of the year last year. So I think Arkansas State, just based off the amount of experience they had back on offense, I think they – and the fact that it's week one, it's going to get sloppy in the first half. I think they cover the 18.5, but this was probably the hardest game I had to decide on. Yeah, I, I thought it was easy for me to pick Arkansas State to cover. I think Arkansas State is a very slept-on program. They are always super solid. Blake Anderson's a great coach. You know, to go eight and five with the you know with his wife untimely passing last year at the beginning of the season, I thought was a tremendous job coaching. Um, so I, I do think they'll cover. And to be honest, on my personal account, I took Arkansas State to win money line. So wow. I would not be – this is – if I had to bet on one upset to start week one, this is it. I, I think wow. losing – I think, I think losing Kenny Gainwell is a big, big deal. That's a big deal. You're, you're talking about you lost a potential first-round pick out of your backfield. Yeah, your best player. Yeah, sure. I mean, the guy was almost – I think he was the second-leading returner from uh, – or, or, sorry, second-leading receiver returning from Memphis, and he was a running back. So yeah. they – you know, I, I would not be surprised if Brady White struggles and Memphis struggles offensively out of the gate. And if they struggle offensively, that defense is not awesome. Like, they're not a great defense. I think Arkansas State, with their good offense, can take advantage of that and not only cover but win the game money line. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go Memphis here. I'm going to support my boy Joel Elliott, who's coaching linebackers down there. I think they cover the 18 and a half. Uh, I, I, I just think Memphis just has a lot better players. Um, so but we'll see, but I, I do think losing Kenneth Gainwell is just that's just a dagger, especially right lost. before that, especially like on on the week, like game week, game week he just opted out. I just thought that was I was it was pretty interesting for me. Just the timing of it kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, all right, guys, last game. This is the one that it was the hardest for me to pick, and this this line's been moving. Um, mm-hmm. They get started out where Navy was. Uh, was uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites. It is now BYU. BYU is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, so Navy's a dog here. Pasta, how you see this one play out? I think the fact that BYU lost their best player in tight end Matt Bushman, I, that was the swing vote for me. They lost him to injury this past month. I think Navy takes this. I think the triple option will be more effective than BYU's uh, defense. However, I will say the one thing that really brought me great concern about this game was the fact that BYU's linebackers are pretty stout. If there's ever a combination to stop the triple option is to have great linebackers. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Navy this week. I took Navy as well. And Gless, this was this was the this was I agree with you, this was my toughest game to pick because you know BYU historically is always a tough out. 
they're always a good team. They're one of the upper-tier G5 teams. Now, they haven't played like that the last couple of years, but we know the talent is normally there. So, for me, I really struggled, especially with seeing the money flow to BYU like it has since the line opened. Uh, but, you know, I believe I believe in Ken Nia Tomalomo. I believe in Navy's triple option. I think they can – I think they'll win, which is why I have them covering. I think Navy wins flat out. Yeah, I'm going Navy as well. I, I like triple option in week one, um, especially with the shortened practices – uh, that you haven't had the time to prepare. Generally, generally when you pre- play a triple option team, you have all summer, all spring to look at film, kind of get your guys comfortable with it to play. I think just COVID has thrown it all off. So that's why, you know, obviously I took Army to cover here. Uh, I'm going to take Navy to cover here as well. I think not only does Navy cover, but they, they um, you know, they win the game. Uh, so, so I'm with you. I, I, just think, I just think it's so tough when you haven't seen that and you just haven't been able to practice against it a whole lot. And Navy's a good team, man. They had a great season last year uh, in the AAC. So I think this is, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend. And I, I, I just can't wait to watch it because it's going to be – one, I always love watching the triple option. But two, BYU is a solid football program too. So, you know, some of these games, I, I think Arkansas State-Memphis is a decent game. Uh, a lot of the other ones may be blowouts. Um, you know, Middle Tennessee – State and Army has a chance to be close, but um, I just love watching Navy play, guys. But you know, I'm a I'm a triple option fan, so but I th- I think Navy takes this one again. They 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 cover here. Well, there's no Heisman hopeful in Malcolm Perry there, which is a big loss to Navy's offense. But we yeah. see it year in year out that they will bring the next guy along, and he's going to be the next stud. So they're always able to to reload at the quarterback position mm-hmm. to run that offense. It's, yep. That's that's really never a concern there. So, Well, we wouldn't be prospect one-on-one guys if we don't talk some recruiting news. So uh, we, we had one really big signing this week. We'll cover uh, kind of some smaller ones. But, guys, um, but Jake Burton, number one player in Kentucky, offensive guard. He had offers from Ohio State. He had offers from Clemson, offer from Oregon, some of the best schools in the country. And he decided to stay at home and play for the university in Kentucky. Yep. Huge signing for him. Yeah, I mean, anytime Mark Stoops, you know, if you can, if you can convince a guy in SEC country to stay home and, and sign with Kentucky, who, let's face it, this isn't basketball. It's hard enough to recruit at Kentucky as it is for football. When Mark Stoops does such a great job at, at keeping people home in state, and that's we've all, I mean we've said it time and time and time again. The key to a successful program is putting a fence around your state, and it's no shocker that, that once Mark Stoops was able to do that, Kentucky's become a mid to you know higher mid tier team in the SEC. So great get for him. I think it's just players like this is why Kentucky continually surprises people year in, year out. We keep saying Kentucky, oh, they won eight games last year. Well, that's got to be a fluke. And then they win eight games again the next year. And it's just like, hey, it's players like this and the, the job Mark Stoops is doing down there, building this program, it's starting to make me think, Kenny and Gillespie, do you think Mark Stoops could leave in a year or two from now? With the job he's done? Absolutely. I mean, Kentucky, for how long has Kentucky been pretty crappy? You know, up until Mark, I mean, they've been pretty crappy our, our whole lives. I mean, Kentucky football has been pretty blah. I mean, even when they had Tim Couch, they were a six and six, seven and five type team. So, you know, for what he's done at Kentucky, he's been absolutely outstanding, and he could definitely parlay it into a bigger job, I think. Well, don't forget, they had Jarrett Lorenzen as well. <laughs> the big boy. Yes, that's right. I, <laughs> I, I think, rest, rest in peace. Yeah. I think one of the things about Kentucky, and I read this article a couple of years ago, but it it shows you the power if you have a head coach that you believe in and an athletic director to buy into the vision and be able to kind of give some patience. So, for example, you know, his recruiting strategy is a little bit different than what they do in the SEC, right? The SEC kind of owns the – the Southeast and when it comes to recruiting. So, you know, if I want to recruit a guy out of Georgia, I'm going up against Georgia, Alabama, LSU, right? Florida, same thing with the state of Florida, Louisiana. Like it's the same guys that do it. So Mark Stoops really said, you know, we're going to, 
pick guys off from Ohio. We're going to pick guys off from Michigan. We're going to pick guys off from Pennsylvania, right? Be able to kind of get that northern influence into the SEC because it's the promise of playing in the SEC for some of those four-star, three, four-star guys that if they were in Georgia or if they were in Florida, they'd be recruited by the big dogs. So um, hats off to Mark Stoops. I think he's done a fantastic job and certainly one of the great success stories in college football. Uh, a couple other big signings. Uh, we had Maddox, uh, Max Coop, uh, quarterback si- out, out of the state of Texas, signed uh, with the Houston Cougars. So it looks like Houston got their uh, quarterback of the future. It looks like. Paso, what would you like about this guy? I just think it was big because he's out of the, I believe, out of Houston. So it, it's just awesome for Houston to sign a big-time prospect, which I believe he's a top 600 player, to sign with Houston. It's just one of those guys that – they needed a player like this, a guy to stay home, a top player in the country. Uh, but, I mean, you watch his film. He's got all the intangibles. Um, I think he he's going to develop a little bit more arm strength. But outside of that, I mean, he's he's 18-year-old kid. I think just a, mm-hmm. you look at his ability to complete the passes at every level of the field, I think he can do that. And I think he's going to develop into a very good quarterback for Houston's offense. Yeah, it's 6'5", 210. He's definitely got the height and – you know, size you'd like to see develop into a bigger guy. So I, I Dana's pretty good at developing quarterbacks. So, you know, it's a good good get for him. Our uh, uh, last big commit, Anoka uh, Megao, uh, offensive guard. It's uh, signed with BYU this week. Uh, turned down the likes of Arizona, Colorado, and Michigan State. So chance to play in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 and went with BYU. Uh, and it looks like it's their highest-ranked recruit at BYU for the 2021 season. So big recruit for them. Now let's talk top transfers. Uh, transfer came out this week, Colin Schooler. Transfers from Arizona to Texas Tech. I think this is just another player who wanted to go out and play some football here in 2020. Uh, so he transfers over to Texas Tech to play in the Big 12. Yeah, we talked about him last week a little bit. Uh, Colin Schooler, he's a great tackler. He, I think he also was a few tackles for losses away from setting the record at Arizona. So, great football player, signed to Texas Tech. Obviously, this is one of those guys that thinks he's a fringe draft-eligible prospect, so he couldn't afford to lose this season. So, playing in the Pac-12 previous to this, he had to play somewhere that he could actually play football and hopefully get a draft grade on his name which I believe he does have a good year. He could be looking at a six-round grade based off his skill set. So good pickup for Texas Tech. Uh, And in the same sense where Arizona lost out this week with a transfer, it looks like Auburn also lost out on Jamarian Gooch, offensive guard who had committed to Auburn, but he decided to ultimately flip his commitment uh, and stay at home and go to the University of Tennessee. So that's a huge pickup for Jeremy Pruitt and, and the uh, Tennessee Volunteers and just shows what a great job that they're doing on the recruiting trail. Yeah, they, um, you know, Tennessee, the one thing with Tennessee is they can recruit. You know, we've mentioned this in shows past. I think they have three guys now on their staff who have won Recruiter of the Year awards. So to to be able to flip somebody from Auburn and get them to Tennessee is just another feather in the cap of what has already been a great recruiting class for Tennessee and, and continues to show why Jeremy Pruitt is probably the right hire for this program. It seems like he's getting the recruits now. He just needs to be able to develop them, and I think he's going to be able to. Now the biggest thing is is they just need to get Cade Mays immediate eligibility. He's like the one guy I feel like this year who's been rejected immediate eligibility, and he might be the most worthy candidate. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I will say this about uh, Jamarian Gooch. He definitely has NFL size, 6'7", 358. Uh, only a three-star recruit according to 24-7 Sports, so that tells me that he is a project, probably a guy that won't come in and play right away, probably needs some time in the weight room, uh, probably needs some time to work on his technique and speed. But I tell you what, when you're getting recruited in the SEC uh, with the likes of Auburn and Tennessee, you know he definitely has the talent. Again, like I said, he has the, the size uh, to certainly be an NFL player. Does he have the talent and the strength and the speed? I guess that's something that Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee Volunteer staff will have to continually kind of develop him uh, in order to kind of fill into that body a little bit. So kind of interesting note about him. 
Uh, top 10, uh, looked like we didn't get any, any major changes, but we did get a couple. Pastel, why don't you cover a little bit of our top 10 recruiting classes for the 2021 class, if there are any updates that you have. It was the fight for number one at this point. Who's it going to be? We always thought it was going to be Ohio State number one, but Alabama made a quick rise and a surge this past uh, two weeks where they regained number one. But then, boom, right back at Ohio State, they get a four-star athlete out of Virginia, Tyleek Williams, and he signs with Ohio State. So Ohio State is back to number one. Alabama's number two. We finished out the top of the top ten with LSU three, Clemson four, Oregon five, Tennessee six, Florida number seven, Miami number eight, Michigan number nine, and USC number ten. I want to put one quick note. I feel like we've said every single week that one team keeps rising. That's the University of Georgia. They are number 11 this week. Yep. Mm, here we go, creeping up. Pastel's happy Bama dropped out of number one, that's for sure. I know, I know. He, he He's loving these Ohio State commits right now. Let's go. That's loving it. All right, guys, rapid fire. Now, I, I know we always do this, you know, inside the conferences, but figuring that this is our the show before the season starts, I really wanted to get overall college football impressions. We talked about it a little bit last show, but we wanted to save – some discussion here. So rapid fire, uh, and then we can discuss it a little bit after before we go to the others. But I do want to get your answers right away. Uh, college football playoff teams. Who's going to make the college football playoff? Kenny, who's your four? My four are Clemson, Notre Dame, Bama, and LSU. Wow, LSU. You think they rebound, man. No way, man. No I do, way. man. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all sleeping on Miles Brennan. He's going to be a beast this year. And who else? Who else do they have? I mean, last year we had, like, I don't know, a bunch of well, four, a bunch of four- and five-star recruits just oh, waiting. Man. Dude, we had, like, 12. Why don't we do this with every other team that loses a bunch of talent, like Alabama, like Clemson, and LSU's been recruited on the – and Ohio State, and LSU's been recruited on the same – level the last three or four years. LSU's going to be LSU's going to be just lost like 12 players to the NFL draft and then they just lost their top two players outside of Stingley for the COVID reasons. I'm, I'm good with it. They're just going to reload, baby. And they're going to make it to the college playoffs? Get out of here. They got it. It must be that CBD. I don't know what you're taking, Kenny, but goodness gracious. Hey. All right, Pastel, then why don't you school them? What's your, what's your rapid-fire top four? It's going to be one of those, okay, my top four, Clemson, Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma. And everyone's going to be like, oh, Pastel, that's obvious answers. Well, no crap. Look at the college football playoffs the last six years. It's almost obvious answers every single year. The only outlier here is Florida, which makes sense when two, you know, Power 5 conferences aren't playing and other teams are opting out so much. Florida has the one quarterback that's probably the most senior quarterback in uh, SEC. They have a lot of talent returning. I foresee them being two teams in the SEC making the college football playoffs, and I think Florida's that team, especially with the news of Jamie Newman leaving uh, Georgia. So those are the top four that will make the college football playoffs. All right, I've got Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Notre Dame. I'm with Kenny on this one. I think what's going to happen is Notre Dame-Clemson play at the beginning of November. I think one of them – I, I think they go one and one. I think that they'll not only play, obviously they'll, they'll play in the regular season, but they'll play again in the ACC championship. I think whoever didn't win in November is going to win in December. And so I think you go a nine and one Notre Dame and nine and one Clemson. I think both of them go because I think Oklahoma loses a game. Um, and, and I would rather, I, I think the selection committee would much rather put a Notre Dame in there than watch Oklahoma U lose for another year. Now, granted, Notre Dame hasn't done much better either, but I, I think that they put Notre Dame in there. All right, Heisman Trophy. Kenny, who you got? I tried to go contrarian. I really did. I looked and looked and looked, but I, Trevor Lawrence. I just I think that's who it's going to be. First of all, real quick, if Notre Dame plays Clemson – Oh, man, here we go. And they right. play again in the playoffs, because you imagine – Three team or three games versus two teams being played in one season, like that's a legit possibility. What you guys are just saying, Notre Dame versus Clemson once in the regular season, ACC championship, and then again in the playoffs. That is mind blowing. What might happen in college football this year? That being said, I agree with Kenny T. Law Heisman can or Heisman Trophy winner this year. I, I went outside the box here. I, I the easy answer is Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to go Najee Harris because I think ultimately, uh, and this is going to peak into number three, but I think Najee Harris is just going to carry that team on the back, especially with it breaking in a new quarterback there. Uh, I love what I see on film with him. 
uh, I think that he'll win the Heisman Trophy. Another Alabama running back winning hey, winning a Heisman Trophy. Can imagine I, can that. I, can I can I give you one thing that I think could be contrarian to the point where we could see our first. This is why this is the only guy I, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. It was it was Derek Stingley. Stingley, uh, because, because there's yep. well, and there's word that he's going to play offense this year too. They're, that he's going to play in select packages at wide at wideout because they view they think he's that much of an athlete that he can just line up and make plays with the ball in his hand because we know he did that on special teams last year. So you know he could turn in a Charles Woodson Champ Bailey type season. He would need to. He would have to to be yeah. a hot team. Well, this would be the year with a shorter field. I love it. All right, let's go national champion. Who's going to win it all, guys? Clemson. Clemson. I'm going to Alabama. Obviously, none of that is – none of those are sexy. <laughs> so, so no – obviously, no – you know what? I debated Georgia if Jamie Newman would still be there. I I would think that they finally get over the hump in a shortened season, but – uh, I'm going to Alabama here. That's here's my hot out. take about Georgia. I think JT Daniels stinks, coach. Oh, I think he stinks too. I don't I think he's that good. That. I disagree. I think he stinks. I, I, I say I disagree with that, but you can't judge him off his first four. He had, he had three NFL caliber wide receivers and did nothing. Keaton Slovis went out there and balled out with three NFL, the same three wide receivers. What are you talking about, man? JT Daniels was like a 17-year-old kid his freshman year. Okay, and, and okay, so what's but, the mistake? So, Keenan was the next year. All those receivers 18. were one year older. I'm just saying, but, he, didn't, he didn't do anything to inspire any confidence. But those yeah. receivers were like not, not freshmen I mean, or sophomores. Dude, they were juniors. Michael Pittman was still a baller then. It's not like he just all of a sudden was And JT Daniels had a great first half of one half he played that year. Against Fresno State. Well, ultimately, he may not even be healthy to play. So we'll we'll see that. All right, player who is not a top ten pick as of right now in a lot of the mock drafts that we're seeing, but will be by the end of the season. Kenny, who do you think? I was trying to look for a quarterback that I thought could maybe shoot up the board, but I think Jamie Newman was probably the only the only guy in that realm, and he just opted out, so it took that away. Because um, I felt like that would be an easy answer. I really wanted to do Andre Cisco, a safety out of Syracuse, but at the end of the day, I think Walker Little. I think um, I think scouts are going to get enamored by his size. They're going to fall in love with it. He's a big guy, six seven, three oh four. He's got room to put on uh, some weight, and I think he's probably going to get out there in a pro day in a combine and put up put up some numbers that you don't normally see from offensive tackles, and they're just going to look at him as kind of a physical freak, and, and they're going to see his spouts of dominance on film, and I think he'll eventually work his way into the top ten. I think that's interesting, Kenny, because this, he's not going to obviously play college football right. this year. So I think, I, I think the overarching question to all this is, how does that affect players' draft stock? So from the Pac-12, from the, the Big Ten, it's just a question. I'm curious to see how that mm-hmm. affects people like Walker Little, because I do believe he's going to blow up the combine, but it would be interesting to see, because I think my gut says it's going to be a negative effect. But we will see. I think my guy, Caden uh, Stearns, the safety out of Texas, I think when you look at his freshman year at Texas, it was one of the all-time great years for a freshman that plays safety, right? And this guy was unbelievable. Then he gets a little bit injured, has a little bit of – takes a step back his sophomore year. But I think if he can resurrect what he did his freshman year and build off it a little bit, I think the safety is the new running back. As in, like, unless you have a top-tier player that gets picked in the top ten, everybody else just kind of falls to the second round. I believe Caden Stearns with a good year this year could be that top-tier safety and find his way into the top ten. This one was tough for me because I I, I looked at all of our rankings and, 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 you know, looked at what players that were still playing that hadn't opted in, that hadn't opted out, that weren't in conferences, that quote-unquote were playing. So I kind of had a 1A and 1B here. First one is going to get Kenny Seist. (laughs) And I'm going Boogie Bassum from Wake Forest. Could be with an outstanding senior season at Wake Forest, be one of the premier edge rushers, be be taken in round one. Uh, you know, I, I love his size. I love his motor. Definitely could be a guy, especially in my opinion, there's no Chase Young this year. I think you got the, you know, you got uh, Roach, and then you've got, uh, who's the other cat so, from Miami? So. 
So I think those guys are 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 are, are good players. But I think Bushy ba- uh, Boogie Basham shows me the whole package. So I think with a really great year, he could play himself into being a top ten, um, top ten pick, mainly because edge rushers are at the, that's a premium position. Um, yeah. So go yeah. past though. I was gonna say let's just be clear on something though. Unlike any other draft, really, there's a few people that will not move. Like T. Law, Trevor Lawrence will not move. Penny Sewell will not move. Fields will not move. And Jamar Chase will not move. So we have four people, no matter what, will be drafted in the top ten, which leaves yep. six spots left in the top ten for movement. Yep. Um, so I think Boogie Bash in that. And the other guy, um, in my opinion, is probably the second best tackle in the draft. Um, I love his film. I love everything about this kid. I'm going Alex Leatherwood. I think he's a guy that if a fran- if a franchise wants an wants an experienced uh, athletic left or right tackle, I think Alex Leatherwood does that at Alabama. He's played everything from guard to right tackle to left tackle. Kind of can plug and play him wherever you need to. So I think that flexibility in the top ten uh, really catapults him up there. So I think he's a guy that could ultimately be a top ten pick with a really great. Uh, season at Alabama and if it's the way that I think fellas I'm thinking national championship for Alabama I'm thinking Heisman Trophy winner and I'm thinking Alex Leatherwood's going in going in the top 10 apparently I'm drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> I want what you're smoking man because I, I, I love it <laughs> I love it Gless Not I love where you have that no roll tide this year yeah well I, I think they're, they're due for a bounce back year Saban's pissed off he's pissed off that they went to the Citrus Bowl yeah, that's a that's a scary thing to have a motivate motivated Alabama. Yeah. Like they need more of it. Yeah, no kidding. All right, uh, as always, you can follow and interact with Prospects One Hundred and One on social media. It's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Posting our uh, our episode, uh, we will be dropping it, guys, every Thursday, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Every yes. Thursday in the season, we'll be following this format. Uh, following us on social media is the best way to stay up to date when that episode drops, as well as other content that we're posting throughout the week. Uh, make sure you subscribe and stay up to date with all of our epi- a lot of uh, with all of our episodes. Again, we have great prospect content coming here in the coming months. Please give us a five star review that helps us tremendously. We're able to uh, spread the word. And, and can um, I can I can I ahead. interject there for a second? I want to say uh, thanks to Alex and Lily for their five star review. New listener, and I love the show. Plan? Uh, do you have any podcasts or plan to do any focusing on top twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four beyond prospects? Yes. Short answer: We do. Uh, and I also two other five star reviews that we have, guys. Uh, great show. Love to hear college football with a different spin. And nice show. I listen to it every week. Love the show. Boom. So thanks wow. for the Look three new five-star reviews. That helps us out so much. Again, please make sure you give us that five-star review. We appreciate it. It helps us spread the word. And for myself, for Kenny, for Pastel, guys, let's, let's go enjoy week one. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah. Let's go. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Getting in all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB is pushing into the fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casinos never close. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts.